All right. Well, I want to welcome our listeners to the L252 podcast. Uh, this is sponsored by the uh, Arkansas District of the Assemblies of God, and I'm uh, Ronnie Morris, the Arkansas District Superintendent. And I have as my special guest today, uh, Pastor Robert Morris, who I'm sure is no stranger to any of us. He's the senior pastor of Gateway. It's a multi-campus church based in Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He's been there since 2000. The church has grown to more than 100,000 active attendees. His television program airs in over 190 countries, and his radio program, Worship and Word with Pastor Robert, airs in more than 2,800 radio markets across America. He... um, also has written several books of whom I, I know many of our pastors have been blessed with, uh, The Blessed Life and Frequency, and and one I'm sure we'll touch on today is about uh, Sabbath, and uh, just uh, Pastor Robert, just we're so honored to have you on the podcast today. Thank you uh, for, for being with us. Hey, Ronnie, I am so, so glad to be with you. You know, you and I have a mutual friend uh, in Wayne Drain out of Russellville. And uh, remember when you came there uh, to speak to us pastors in my church that I pastored there before coming. And, you know, I asked Wayne the other day, I said, what what do you think are two of the greatest attributes of Pastor Roberts? And uh, he, he told me his, uh, your, your ability uh, to hear from God and your generosity. And I think by what we've read and uh, what we know of you, uh, that that that's very true. Well, thank you. He's uh, Wayne is a, a dear, dear friend for more than thirty years, and and uh, he's a great guy, and um, so that's a, that's a real compliment coming from him. Would would you? Uh, would you give us maybe the most significant attribute in, in leading a church? Um, yeah, um, I would say that um, the most significant attribute I believe in leading is delegating. And um, I, um, I use the analogy sometimes of falling off a log. Uh, in other words, let's say we're supposed to walk on the log across the you know creek or whatever. Uh, I grew up in East Texas, so everyone in Arkansas will understand this. The crick is what we called it, you know, go down <laughs> to the crick. And so, but if you if you lean a certain way, let's say you have a tendency to favor your right or your left leg or something. Um, so um, what I say is, if you fall off on one side of the log, uh, you, you fall off, at, you're a, a dictator. And on the other side of the log, you're an abdicator. And so what I think we need to do, we've had these strengths tests, which I'm a, I'm a proponent for. I love uh, learning our strengths and then developing them. But I also wouldn't mind if someone would do a weakness test. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm sure we wouldn't list those at the bottoms of our emails. So, you know, here are my weaknesses, you know. But my, uh, my weakness is that if I fall off the side of the log of delegator, being a delegator, I become an abdicator. It's like I, I can um, bring a guy home and say, I want you to do uh, men's ministry. And um, 
and then say, see you at the Christmas staff party at the end of the year, you know, and, and not give him any feedback. Um, where another pastor can, you know, bring a guy on and then want to meet with him every week, want to tell him what he wants, what he wants change, what he wants differently. And what I feel like happens is he never really develops leaders around him. Mm. Um, he develops, you know, just managers and they don't, uh, have a creative ideas. One of the things that I learned early on was if it's not going to really, uh, upset the ship so much that it might even sink the ship, the conference or the retreat or whatever we're doing, just let the guy fail. Let him make a mistake and talk to him later about it. And delegation to me is like kicking the baby bird out of the nest, but flying beside him. And, you know, don't flap his wings for him, uh, but don't kick him out and never see him again, you know? And so I think probably what holds pastors back the most is they, they just don't delegate enough and they try to carry so much. And then the church grows to the size of their ability. Mm. And, and so you could have the ability of leading 200. You could have the ability of leading 500, maybe even, I don't know. Some guys could lead a thousand without a good team around them. I can't, I, I don't know if I could lead 20 people without a good team around me. So that's probably been the the thing that the Lord gave me naturally, but then I had to develop it and and learn how to one just one other analogy on that is I talk about um, God wants us to be have our hands in you know things, but not hands on and not hands off. And the hands off is the abdicator. The hands on that has to control everything is the dictator, and the hands in is the good delegating leader. Uh, and so, obviously, the bigger that you you grow, um, the more delegation. I, I think that's a concept many of us think. But it, even in a smaller church, would you would you agree? Because I mean, obviously, you didn't start out with right know, thousand people, yeah. so you learned that principle early on. I did because what I did was I found out that we had leaders in our church that even though they weren't called a vocational ministry, they were still called a leadership and they had gifts of leadership. And like we started, you know, we have a huge stewardship ministry now with lots of pastors on staff and all. And our main thing is to help people, you know, learn to live on a budget and things like that. And we help everyone from the, the, uh, struggling, to the stable, to the solid, even to the surplus givers, you know, people in the church. Um, but when we started it, I actually went to some laymen who I knew had a gift of stewardship and understood finances and said, would you start teaching a class or would you do a small group on this on your home? So we started the stewardship ministry that didn't cost the church a dime. And mm -hmm. we started helping these people. And then we started uh, what we call back then freedom ministry. Everybody has some things from their childhood that hold them back. And, and we want to learn how to think differently, renew our minds. And I, we started that with a lay person. So we, um, I would say uh, you don't have to hire staff to delegate. Um, you just need to find someone that has a burden and a passion uh, to really help people, not build his or her own ministry, but to help people. And then just delegate to them. And then have your hands in it check in with them, see how they're doing, 
you know, um, give them some uh, tips and suggestions and, and let it, and just then just let them go. Yeah, that's uh, such an important principle that uh, I think a lot of times, even in the smaller churches, we don't uh, we don't learn very well. We we have a tendency to wear every hat. And and yet it's totally against the Ephesians for, you know, build up a, a body of believers for the working of ministry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I agree completely. You know, when I grew up, uh, the, the pastor had to bury everyone, marry everyone, visit everyone, counsel everyone, uh, you know, care for everyone. And then he had to preach normally three different sermons a week, Sunday morning, Sunday mm-hmm. night and Wednesday night. Yeah. And um, I mean, I don't know how those guys survived personally, you know. Right. And so I've kind of boiled my. Um, job description down to two things, and that's the lead and the feed. And lead doesn't mean manage. It really means provide the oversight, the leadership, mm-hmm. let someone else manage or run or lead the area, but provide leadership for the church and then spend my time working on those messages for the weekend to where they really get fed nourishing mm-hmm. meals so that the sheep are nourished. So when we go to lead them into battle, we don't have malnourished sheep we're trying to lead in the battle. Yes. Well, I think that yeah, you, you described then your, your basic leadership style in, in leading and, and feeding. Cause that's, you know, something I was interested in. And I think our, I know our guys would be interested in if, you know, what, what your leadership style is. Uh, I just, I just know you, you're, I mean, even though you pastor this, you know, um, amazingly large church and growing church and multifaceted church yet uh, you you seem to be uh, very personable to me and uh, approachable uh is is that i mean is, is i know that's the real you well uh you know it really is i don't i don't know how any, how any other way to be people tell me that i'm very vulnerable from the pulpit. And I, I think, I don't know how else to be, but to tell you that I struggle in this area as well. Um, part of my leading is our, our and feeding is I've, I've tried to develop the skill, you know, like David shepherded with the integrity of his heart, Psalm 78, 72. And by the skillfulness of his hands, I think we're born with gifts from God, but what we do with them then is we develop skill like, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, in Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas, which was my generation, and all these, they never would have been uh, who they were had they not worked real hard. So I think pastors have to do the same thing. Um, you know, I talked a moment ago about leading and how, you know, you can fall off the log or the two components. and uh, But there's two components to feeding as well, I wouldn't mind touching on, and that's content and delivery. And mm, I personally yes. think that pastors spend uh, too much time really on content. They'll spend 80, 90% of their time in content. And then they don't spend any time really preparing the delivery and the delivery I think is humor and illustrations. And when you read Jesus, he was the greatest teacher. He, he used humor and he used illustrations a lot. I mean, a lot. He would say, think about a pearl, think about a flower, think about a camel, think about the eye of a needle, you know, think about a house built on the sand. He illustrated a lot. And so I spend, um, I see a preaching like um, it has to be a nourishing meal 
But if it doesn't taste good, they're probably not going to want to come back, even though it's good, nourishing, solid doctrine. And then I see others that are natural um, um, speakers, and they don't spend enough time on content. That's kind of like fast food to me. It tastes good, but it doesn't really give you much nourishment, you know. So, so these are things that I think sometimes people look at uh, some pastors and think, man, that guy just got all that naturally. Um, and I don't, I don't think we did. I think we get the gift from God, but the skill I think we have to develop. And I think every pastor can develop his skills of leadership and feeding. Well, I mean, obviously, to me, since you come across as very personable, you you have to, you have worked on this, um, and uh, I, I think there's some aspect that's natural. But man, I, I'm so glad you you shared that because much of what we do in pastoring is communicate, and yeah. and, and I, I love the way you've approached both the leadership and the communication aspect because. It, it really is balance, right? It really, it really is. And I feel like, um, like even in, let's say, communication, as I studied it, one, one of the best tips that I ever heard from a guy when you talk about approachable um, is this guy said to me, um, you use second person too much. And my mother was a grammarian, so I knew what he meant by that. He mm-hmm. said, you know why you don't pray enough? You know why you don't witness you? And he said, it sounds condescending. He said, why don't you use third person and say, you know why we don't pray enough or we don't witness? You know, because we don't witness really as much as we should because we're afraid, because we are. And um, so there are little tips like that that I think we can learn that we could be approachable totally in our heart. And yet we might not be communicating that, mm-hmm. hey, I'm in this with the rest of you, and I'm yeah. trying to learn just as much as you are. That's that's great. Before we really run out of time, uh, I, one of the one of the passions, visions that I have in in leading our district and um, and our pastors uh, is and is basically I want to see healthy ministers. Uh, which I believe will result in thriving churches. And, and I know this is kind of a theme of, of yours. And So could you walk through a little bit about how you handle the weight, the demands of, of, of pastoring? Uh, yeah, a couple things on that. And you mentioned about the Sabbath and taking the day off in essence. But um, So I'll get to that in just a moment. But the other thing that I do is um, – I, I have to manage my energy. And um, my father was a businessman, so managing money came um, more naturally to me or learned skill from him. And I just knew you, you couldn't spend more than you made. And so by God's grace, we never got over our head financially because he was, like I said, my mother was a grammarian. My dad was a mathematician. So math was easy for me. That if you make three thousand a month, you can't spend four thousand a month, you know. And so, so, but what happened when I got in the ministry was, um, I realized I had to manage my time. But then the biggest thing I realized, this is the most helpful, is I had to manage my energy. Uh, someone would ask me to come or speak or do something or attend something in the church or whatever, and 
if you looked at my calendar, it was actually available. But if you looked at what I had before it and after it and looked at how much energy it was going to take, and that was my biggest weakness was understanding this will take so much energy out of me that I'll be tired when it comes to preparing the sermon and I'll just throw something together or I'll be tired when I finish preaching on the weekend and not have time to throw the ball with my son in the yard or um, take my daughter on a, a date, a weekly date or my wife, you know, on a weekly date. And so um, the stewarding is a lot more than money. And, and the biggest things we steward are time and energy. And then the other thing is that God gave us a natural stewardship in the Sabbath. And, um, you know, I'm not a law person or an Old Testament person. I know we're completely saved by grace. But, you know, the top ten, uh, that God's top ten list, um, uh, those are principles to live by. You know, um, I mean, I know I'm saved by grace. But if I murder someone, there are consequences. If I steal, there are consequences. You know, there and and if I do the good things like put God first and don't take his name in vain and honor my parents, there are good consequences. And so what I realized was God literally put take a day off in the top in his top ten list and in the same list is not murder. I mean that's how important he sees it. And when you read the the fourth commandment about remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It goes into you shall do no work on the Sabbath. And I, I like to modernize that and say no emails. You know, you shall do no work. And we think this honoring the Sabbath is going to church. And obviously, I believe in church attendance. But I actually think the Sabbath is about resting. And so I've had to be strict, uh, almost religious about it but strict, I would say, principled about taking a day off, one day off where I literally don't write, don't do a message, uh, try not to do any church business. Now, here's the, the out, and I'll make it quick because I know we're getting close on time. But Jesus said really clearly, listen, if your ox falls in the ditch, pull it out. So uh, he gives us the out. If you have a, an emergency, you know, don't tell him, call me tomorrow, take care of it. But if you have an emergency every week, it actually means you're you're probably could get better at your managing skills, you know. Oh. So um, so that to me has been one of the greatest um, um, attributes that's kept me in ministry forty years now is is realizing how important it is for my mind, my body, my spirit, uh, my emotions, even to take a day off every week. Could you tell me what that looks like when you you know ministry? What, what kind of things do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, so for me, I never could do an hour or two hours of quiet time a day. Um, I know there are some pastors that can and do it, and they're called to it, and they love it, and I think that's fantastic. But. Uh, jokingly, I say, so I don't mean this wrong toward anyone, but I say, if you can do two hours a day, quiet time, you might not have children or a job. You know, I don't, I don't know how you could fit it all in. So what I realized was a long time ago was I'm a Christian and my quiet time is, um, that's what I'm going to do as a Christian, not as a pastor. So every day I read the word and pray. And it's normally 15 to 30 minutes, but on my Sabbath, I have what I call an extended quiet time. 
and I put on worship music. And of course, I, I get in the word and pray. But for probably over an hour, my that extended time is normally one and a half to two hours. And I just spend time in the presence of God. But then the rest of the day, I do something that replenishes me. I play golf. Um, I go to the boat, to the uh, lake and ride, you know, take a boat ride. I um, We have some land and I got a little tractor. I ride the tractor. Um, Debbie and I do, my wife and I do something together, fun. And so I really believe that it's it's God saying you don't have to, you know, um, exegete the book of, you know, um, <laughs> Leviticus on your on your Sabbath. So you're honoring the Sabbath. I think he actually, especially if that's our job, if our job is to exegete passage anyway, he definitely, definitely doesn't want us to do it on the, our Sabbath. I actually think he's fine with us playing golf on our Sabbath. Yeah. He just wants yeah. us to do something that lets our mind and our body and our spirit rest and get replenished for the next six days of work we have coming up. Uh, that's great. Fantastic. Just, uh, I know our time is, is coming to a close at, at this point. Would, would there be just one final thing, uh, that, that you would share with, well, nearly there's, uh, we, we have nearly, um, 1200 ministers, uh, 400 churches here in this district. Any, anything you just as a, as a parting word for us? Uh, well, um, I'm going to say something that a young, uh, that an older, pardon me, older minister said to me when I was young, and it really, I, I still say it today. I mean, I just said it yesterday before I had one of those important meetings with someone. Um, and I say it sometimes on the weekend, I have to remind myself. But he said to me uh, right before I was to speak, he said, relax, the gift is in you. And I've had to just realize, you know what? I've studied, I've prayed, I've worked hard, I've, I've done my part. Now, God, the only the way this is going to work is if God does his part, and God is always faithful. And so I would just say to guys, relax. It, when I look back over what God's done at Gateway, um, I'm amazed. Uh, the, thing, the, the thing that I did wrong was I worried too much, and I worked too hard. Mm -hmm. And I think God could have, I think I know God still, could have obviously, but I think he would have still done everything that he did here, and I could have enjoyed it more if I had just relaxed more and just uh, trusted him and let him do it. Wow, that's uh, that's that's great. That's uh, boys. So many of us need, uh, and I, I included me in that. So many of us need need to hear that. Well, Pastor, I've tried to figure out how we were how we're kin so I could claim your skin <laughs> folks, uh, but, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, but, but listen, uh, thank you so much. You, you, you've been such a blessing to, to just take this and uh, I honor you uh, for doing it and appreciate uh, Mike helping us as well. Well, Ronnie, thank you. And thanks for the honor. And I just want to say to the guys listening, man, I love you. Uh, I'm a brother with you. Uh, Pastor Jack Hayford told me one time, it takes just as much energy to prepare a sermon for 200 people as it does for 2,000. And so I just applaud everybody who's who's serving where God's called them and, and just tell you that I love you and I'm with you right there in the trenches with you.
thank thank you. I love you too, my brother. And, thank you, and blessings on you. Thank you.